been a lot busier. We're officially second in the queue. So I mean, we were, we were first. There <laughs> is some controversy that that couple have jumped the queue. The total count for people going in at midday so far is five. <laughs> oh, hang on. That is the door, Matt. The door just opened. <laughs> So that was the moment that we went back to the pub. <laughs> back in the pub. Back in the pub. I've done my best since we've gone back in. I've done my best to get the pub industry going on single-handedly. I mean, Richie Sunak must have a straight line to you because single-handedly <laughs> you're propping up the economy. I mean, it's been a big week. I, I feel slightly weird because when we set out to start this podcast, it wasn't necessarily going to be a six-month celebration of the pub, which to some extent it has become. Because circumstance has made it that. It, by taking away the pub, it certainly highlighted how much we enjoyed it. Yeah. And I also feel like I need to say, before we get into our review of going back to the pub, Super Saturday split people, I think. Straight I, down the middle. Okay, so I was amazed how much it did split people. Because, as we've discussed before, I don't mind the risk. I, I don't weigh up the issues and think, oh, no, we couldn't, shouldn't do it. Um, you know... I guess I followed the rules, and I, ha I have followed the rules in lockdown. I haven't broken the rules. But they said you could go back, and, and I took it that, and knowing Chris, we went to first, and some of the other landlords, that they had followed the rules too, and they, they put the procedures in place to ensure that we were safe, that staff were safe. I kind of took it that I didn't really think there would be a split. Oh, I was wrong. Even between the two of us, because <laughs> we both organised a pub trip for Saturday, for Super Saturday. And I get that there are people out there who thought Saturday was going to be an absolute free-for-all, uh, no social distancing, irresponsible drinking, horror show of a day. We both organised a trip to the pub. I went for midday First people back at the Rose and Crown, lunchtime drink with a pizza and some friends. You went for eight o'clock <laughs> prime time at the Wheat Sheaf. We're gonna go, gonna go big. And I think if anything sums up possibly the difference between you and me, it would be our approach to bookings on Super Saturday. Let's do them chronologically. We went to the Rose and Crown first. Went to the Rose and Crown first. So I guess because we do this podcast and we talk about pubs a lot and we speak to people that are in the pub industry, whether they're brewers like Fergus, whether it's Chris at the Rose and Crown, our immediate group is more focused on it. And obviously, I love pubs. I probably go to a pub a lot more than, than your average Joe. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> fair to say. Statistically, absolutely true. So I presume that Super Saturday would be cues to get in, you know, banging on the door, we're back in, everyone a big cheer as, as, as the door opened. It was anything but. Also, 
you know, we're both quite big users of Twitter and social media. And as soon as we woke up on, on Saturday, everything was, it's go back to the pub. No, not actually, not everything was, it's go back to the pub today. A good half of it was, it's get a haircut day. Yeah. But there was certainly this flavour of, we can go back to the pub today. It's really exciting. So it was, I think, surprising when we got to the Rose and Crown. So, so I walked down, I walked down the road and I was looking ahead kind of with a did you walk it was more of a dainty skip wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) it was a jog if i'm honest and then i thought we got the day wrong as the pub came into the view there was nobody there nobody was even looking at the pub it was like it, it, it was just a nothing event wasn't it when we got in there were three tables there was a group of six young people who'd obviously arranged to, to have lunch together. There was a couple. Who were having, then, a, having lunch. Yeah, and then there was the four of us. So it was you, me, and then two of the fittest friends we have, Martin and Atef, both hugely fit individuals. They came out for a pizza and a beer and a chat with us. But that was it. And the, I think... I mean, obviously, the pub knew how many people had booked. I'd be interested to know if people had booked and then called off. I think there is a thing with that at the moment. Uh, a friend of mine has flown off to Tenerife this week, and he was saying on his plane that had 180 spaces, 80 of them were booked but no shows, right. where they had decided they would fly but then had, had decided against it at the last minute. So I wonder if the pub had more bookings than that and people had just not turned up it didn't feel any different from what a saturday at 12 when many people wouldn't be in the pub would be yeah. like we, we were at least over a meter away from each other we were nowhere near anyone else i mean i'd have had to if i had the coronavirus i'd have to have got it into a ball and launched it as hard as i could and hope i hit the person on the head to give him it we were that far away it was one-way system and well done to the premier league because if you want people to stay away from the pubs, a midday kickoff of Norwich Brighton is the way to do it. I mean, that's interesting. If, say, Liverpool were going for the Premiership, what would have happened? But it was one-way system. We were nowhere near anyone. The bar staff put the glasses on a tray on the corner and we took them off, stood away. So that whole experience, there didn't feel like there was any risk there. In that one there, the first one we went to, it didn't feel like there was any risk. Yeah. Um, so let's go through some of the... Um, actually, well, let's uh, hear what uh, what we were told as we sat down. The new normal at the Rose and Crown. So when you come in, you sanitise your hands and you can do that as often as you like. There's a point there and there's a point by the toilet on anything else. The QR code is for the track and trace for NHS. So if we do have a case, if you won't, they can, all your details go on there. It's held for 21 days and then it's thrown away. So you use the toilet as much as you like, as long as you wash your hands after and you sanitise as well. So it was a little bit awkward. Yeah. But first time back, as you say, the tray got kind of nervously slid onto the corner of the table for you to take your own drinks from. No one handed you your drinks. The same with the pizzas when they arrived. I think everybody was very overcautious. It, it was first day back, yeah. and I guess rightly so. I didn't get the QR code on the on the door. I mean, I don't have an app, so I didn't necessarily get that. But there was hand sanitizer by the door. The the football table was covered up with a tarpaulin, and the seats had been moved. Tables had been moved to a, a distance apart, but because 
they put those tables in what would have normally been a standing area. It didn't look that weird. No. I will go on to what I did last night, and that did look weird. Okay. That just looked really, really I odd. should probably say it was go to a pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. In terms of how the pub was, it was weird last night. Actually, though, at lunch, four people having a chat, having a pizza... It did feel pretty normal. I mean, it, it was, felt very it normal. Was, it to was me. nice after the first bit of going in and the talk, and we all hand sanitized. And you know, when she got used to serving us the, the drinks like that, it didn't feel any different. The pub wouldn't be that busy on twelve o'clock on a Saturday. We certainly wouldn't normally be in there. We had a pizza, we had a drink, we didn't go mad. We were out in an hour and a half, fifteen or something like yeah. that. So it felt very normal, and it was nice to sit in a pub. It was nice to have a chat with your friends in a pub and feel like it was a bit of normality back. Now, can we talk about the drinks order? <laughs> because by my count, we ordered 10 drinks between us and you had a pint and a half of Amstel and everything else was non-alcoholic, Matt. I oh, know. <laughs> um, all I'm saying is I appear to be turning people to my team. Okay, I'm going to hit you back, and I won't say who came out with me in the evening, but um, I'm not going to mention their name. But um, some friends of mine and I went out in the evening to the Wheat Sheaf, and one of the friends I came sent an email saying that we did 52 pints. <laughs> well, okay, well, let's move so on. So let's go to the evening. Let's so, move on. So, so uh, I, I, what I'm going to say, first and foremost, is I ducked out. You did duck out. So you, you were invited. You sent me a message to say, we should mention the fact that at the end of the last podcast, you told me I wasn't in your fort. Um, <laughs> I, f- I felt bad. I couldn't sleep. I put you back in. So you and did, you did duck out. You did invite me and you'd actually, you'd booked two tables. I so, had. So, so I had you sat far away from me. <laughs> so you had, you had enough. With some of the people I don't like as much, I thought I'll put them where Jeff, so they can be bored in the corner. I genuinely had a feeling that I didn't actually want to take someone's spot. You know, joking aside, I am more cautious than you. I probably didn't want to go out on that Saturday night. I think I'd be okay going out now, but I did have a sense that actually it might be a bit of a messy affair. And as a non-drinker, I didn't really want to be part of that. Also, I knew that if you were coming out with me at midday, there was a chance you were eight hours ahead of me at that point. And from experience, that's no fun. And I was just like, God, if everybody's already preloaded and I turn up sober, that's not going to be a fun night for me. So I ducked out. So it was a very different experience to lunch. So it's a busy pub anyway. Well, let me describe it for anybody who isn't lucky enough to have, have been to the Wheat Sheaf in southwest London. But it is, you know, over a couple of levels. I reckon it's got a capacity in the in the hundreds. It's a big there. pub. It's a big um, pub. You know, sort of big Sunday roast serving normally. Big restaurant, which they've sort of turned over to drinking at the moment. Yeah, the restaurant, is, it's, the restaurant and the upstairs bit, which you can normally hire for event, is now part of the bar in order to split people. So we got there... And we were booked from 8 till 10. Now, there was a small queue, a kind of split queue between bookings and walk-ups. Not many walk-ups at all. Maybe three could, or four. Could you have done? You could, but you had to wait to see if a table became free. Right, okay. So, that was, so no, that was for no-shows. Yeah. So a few people turned up. They said, you may have an hour wait, but we can't guarantee, and they left. So it didn't look massive when you got there yet. It was busy inside, but there wasn't people spilling out everywhere. We queued. The interesting issue was we booked for eight. We were there because I was like, we've got to be there. For, we don't want to lose our space. We didn't get into half past eight. And the reason was they had to get the lads who were on our table 
out. <laughs> and I saw the lads when we were coming out. They were young lads. They'd obviously booked from six to eight. They were out a few drinks, hadn't been in the pub. They were probably in no rush to leave or say, oh, we're not going now, come on. And they got them out by stopping serving them. So they had that issue of getting them out. Yeah. Then they had to deep clean the table and then set it back up for us to come. Then we came in. It wasn't as busy as I thought it would be. It was socially distanced. I wasn't within two metres of anybody who wasn't on my table, yeah? I didn't get up. I didn't walk around. I didn't go and I went to Lou. But that was it. It wasn't like a normal night when I went and would go to the bar. It was table service. I enjoyed being back in the pub and I had a lot to drink. It was good, but it wasn't being in a pub, if you see what I mean. Well, the thing is, and I guess with our table of four, it was less noticeable because actually, you know, you can still have different conversations. You know, I would chat to Martin for a bit then maybe Atif, then all four of you. Yeah. And It's not normal when you go to a pub for eight of you to sit round the table and basically chat to the person who's next to you. And but, not move. You know, it's it's the worst bit of I mean, going... the only the only way you do it, if someone went to the toilet, you kind of had to shuffle around just to kind of do it. But you, it's like an enforced dinner party on a long table. Now, it was fun because we'd been starved of the pub. And so being back in the pub was a novelty. And drinking in a pub was a novelty. But the beauty of going to the pub for me is, you know, you have one conversation, then you go to another conversation. I go to the bar, I may see a mate over there or go and chat and come back. You mingle. It took that away. It was fine on that first night because it was exciting to be back in. I'd be so waiting. I wouldn't want to do that on many occasions. It just feels a bit stilted. I'd probably go the Firefly up the road where everyone spills out. We've been there. Yeah. We're still doing the, the serving out. So you could stand outside. That felt more pub-like because you could wander around and talk to different people. Whereas we sat around, we basically like we're doing the podcast and you can't move. Two things I take from it. It wasn't as mad as I thought it would be. There were drunk people in there, but no one was wandering around. They did the social distancing pretty well, even though it was busy. It didn't feel like a, a super Saturday, like New Year's Eve in any way. It was fun because it was the first time back. But they've taken a lot of what makes a pub good out of it. I worry if this stays too long that it will affect pubs even though they're open. Or they will have to work a way around this. I know it's a crude way of looking at it, but you said 52 points? Yeah. Between eight of you, that's six each. Mm. Mm. That's not... No. I mean, I guess you're limited to a two-hour window there. Yeah. So oh, pre- we that's stayed... actually pretty good going No, no, we actually, hours. they gave us, there was no one booked in afterwards, so we stayed until the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were there eight till close? Yeah, eight till close. Uh, so six pints each. So it wasn't, it wasn't particularly, because again, there is a stop on how drunk you can get, because it takes a while to get someone's eye, because it wasn't an app on this. And they've got to come over and serve you. You can't drink, oh, I'll nip and get an extra round there. I'll get right. a cheeky shot in. There's only so long. She's taking the beers over to each table. There's only so much she can deliver at a time because you're not in charge of the speed of your flow, if you see what I mean. You think from a business perspective, what you need is a, just a kind of keep them coming button. Yeah. Just bring the same order at 10 minute intervals <laughs> until we say stop. So we've done the, the first kind of four of us pizza and a beer. We've you, done the big night out Saturday. You've been for a night out. And then the third iteration of Night at the Pub, two of you. And this, I think, is probably a more true reflection of where pubs are at the moment. 
This was a normal Tuesday night, and I go out with Andy, my friend, who we go out quite regularly on a Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday when there's not many people around. We went to the King's Head, which is a Green King's pub in Tooting. Whoever's in charge of health and safety at Green King's is doing a fantastic job. You're not having a second search in Green King's pub, I'm telling you. So you go there, all their staff had the full visors. Wow. Uh, full visors on. Uh, you stopped at a rope. Their tables, I reckon, were at least four or five metres from each other. One in, one out in the loo with a engage sign on there which you knock round with your elbow when you went in to show you were in there. <laughs> um, service via a app. And it was very quick, but you had to download the app. When you went in there, you had to text Green King, who texted you back, you gave your details, and that showed you your time limit in there okay. and everything. I thought it was slightly over the top, but you can't fault them for the safety of their staff. Yeah. All their punters. No one spreading it in Green King pubs. So if you're worried, I would suggest go to a Green King's pub because you're you're further away from them than you are for anyone in the street, believe me. Hang on, for one second then, this podcast was almost useful. <laughs> My concern was, and it was fine, because we know... Was it fine, though? Okay, I we normally go out, me and Andy, and we have a drink on our own. We don't really speak to many other people, but we go to the bar and we may see someone and have a chat and someone may come over. It felt very weird last night, even though, so we were sat in a kind of cubicle-ish area, not, not a COVID cubicle, somewhere a kind of <laughs> cubicle that they had. We were far away from anyone else. Felt like you're kind of sucking the fun out of the pub. And I don't know how long that goes on. And maybe it's fine for people our age, but especially for young. I, I worry. I worry if this is the new norm for a long time, where the pubs can keep this going. They're very, they're very clever pubs, so maybe they'll work a way around it. Maybe they'll get a way where it becomes a little bit more social. But you're taking a lot of the social out of it. And I understand why. Actually, I don't understand why, but from thinking to other people and realising that they don't think you should go back to the pub, now I have to accept that there is another side to the argument. I think my overall conclusion of Super Saturday was that it was whatever you wanted it to be. If you'd missed the atmosphere and a quiet drink in a pub, that was definitely available to you. Yeah. And if you'd missed a big, loud, raucous evening out, that was also available to you. Yeah. It was noticeable driving around Ballum while you were in there drinking. <laughs> I was doing a bit of a late night supermarket shop. Uh, which is so rock, rock and roll. And roll. <laughs> so I noticed. I noticed a couple of things. There were, I think, the pubs that you would expect to be spilling out onto the street. Lots of drinking were, were. the pubs that you would expect to be quieter. Couples out for a quiet drink. That's what they were. And then there were the super cautious pubs that hadn't opened at all. That were so interesting. The King's Head didn't open. King's Head didn't open. The Bowls Club didn't open either. On Saturday, they had a big sign saying, we will be back, just not today. We're going to see how it goes first. And that's interesting to see what they will take out of this. Certainly, they could see that there were customers who wanted to drink. It is probably the, worth them opening. But I wonder whether it, it's worth them opening in the same way. I look at the Rose and Crown at 12 o'clock with three of us in there. It looks like reduced opening hours might be the norm. We've been starved of a pub environment. So you'll accept pretty much anything at the moment. And the people who run the pub are doing a really good job to do this sensibly, I think. I'm sure some people think they shouldn't just open, but there you go. 
My concern is there has to come a point if pubs are going to keep going where the new normal doesn't work in a pub. A pub is a pub for a reason. A pub is a place to mix socially. And, and, and when we spoke to Katie and she said it's one of the last places where people from different economic and social backgrounds as a community can come together and meet new people and talk in a kind of free environment. That's what pubs do. At some stage, that has to come back. Now, if that can't come back until there's a vaccine or it's eradicated, I worry. I worry that after a few times of going in, people will be like, it's a lot of hassle for, for something I'm not particularly enjoying. And whether we start to lose some pubs because of that. Also, too, I don't believe if the King's Head's having that many people at night, it's going to make any money. You're going to have to get a lot. You're going to have to say you've got a two-hour slot and only really massive alkies can come in and drink like 20 pints. Did you have a minimum spend anyway? Mm, the wheat sheaf, yes. Okay. Because I think we'd mentioned previously that minimum spend might be a thing. We didn't at the Rosen Crown. Wheat sheaf was £100 for four people. And I had to pay a deposit before we went in. I had an £80 deposit for eight people. The, the, sounds, uh, like, sounds like you made that. Yeah, we did that <laughs> it wasn't a problem. But I do worry. The new normal doesn't work for pubs. Well, we said it before, almost everybody, every new person I've met in this area in the last five years, I have met in a pub. You know, being introduced to someone halfway through a conversation, you might go out as six of you, but you'll always pull in the odd person from another group or, you know, a friend of a friend comes along, gets introduced to everybody. That has been how I've met most people around this area over the last few years. And that, that is definitely one of the most enjoyable parts of going out. So if you're reduced to you can only speak to the people who are on your table, it massively reduces that that social element massive. of an evening out. Do and here's to it coming back soon. It doesn't feel like the pub. Yeah. Well there's always two questions I get asked when I when I go out with you. As I'm leaving, who's going tonight? And then the next morning, who went? And I never answer the same. It's it's <laughs> never the same group of people. No. Partly because I always say, you know, the sensible names <laughs> uh, as I leave. Um, but <laughs> and we have one friend who always says that I'll be there <laughs> because yeah, his constantly. wife trusts me. Um, <laughs> oh, you're high on the list of a lot of people. <laughs> Jeff, can you, whenever they say who's going to be there tonight, I reckon you or Martin are number one or two on most people's list. Martin, Jeff, Jeff and Martin, yeah. We're very very wife-friendly names. Not many people are throwing my name out there first. <laughs> <laughs> Penno, oh yeah, Penno's definitely... I'm not sure he's making it tonight. <laughs> no, they just don't say you because it's a given that you'll yeah. be there. <laughs> now, there's one other thing I want to talk about. I think we've done pubs. I want to talk about non-alcoholic drinks because, well, for two reasons. We went out for a bit of an impromptu takeaway drinks from pubs last week and you saw this twice no non-alcoholic drinks in at the bar yep. first place we went to someone had to go route around in a, a cellar and came back with a, a heineken zero that they bought for emergencies and then we went to a different pub same story zero oh there might be one in the fridge have a look no there isn't okay we'll go and have a look in the cellar for you so <laughs> twice that happened to me last week it was good on Saturday to be back in the Rose and Crown where I know they do have a selection of non-alcoholic beers. I think there is this assumption at the moment that people who are going out in a group of four or group of eight and they've booked a table are all massive drinkers. My plea would be, please remember that there are some of us 
there's pro- you know there are still designated drivers there are still non-drinkers please remember just just, just put a few in your fridges for me please I, I thought that was quite I was quite surprised at that when when we went out so it was when me and Bruce went out wasn't it yeah and the two places we went to I mean, it was really wasn't like they just having a fridge. They had to go and root around. I think one of them brought up two in case you had another one. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think the perception is, but I think that's been pushed by the press. I think that's where people have got worried about it. Is that it's like the Royal Rumble. Everyone's going for it, and you're only out to get drunk. I mean, and in a way, I perpetuate it, don't I? By saying you're not coming because you're missing a place, and that is wrong. Um, but you're right. You, what you don't want to do. I'm not saying that. I was going to say what you don't want to do is reverse the way we've come forward in non-alcoholic drinking. Then I realise who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's fine. Well, don't worry about it, everyone. Just keep the booze coming. <laughs> well, I want to finish on... <laughs> I got asked on a company meeting a couple of weeks ago. So we have a sort of five o'clock drink on a Friday, the whole company. And I'm always there with my can of non-alcoholic uh, whatever it is that week. And somebody asked me on the call the other week, saying, actually, I'd like to try a couple of non-alcoholic beers. In fact, somebody said they had a Bex Blue by accident. They hadn't realised and they bought a pack and, and actually they'd quite enjoyed it. And they said, are there other good ones? So for work, I put together a little list of my top five and I just thought it'd be interesting to share it with you. So you've actually tried some Go of on. these. Tell me. So, well, I'll, I'll go in reverse order and I will mention, because I, I published this on Twitter last week and a few people have come back with Brooklyn Special Effects, which was sixth on my list. It very it, nearly though? made it. Yeah, genuinely. It's. Are not, you just saying that because no, people came uh, back? I drank quite a lot of it probably a month or so ago and was really enjoying it. I've got a mix in my top five of IPAs and lagers. Okay, go on. And special effects was my third favourite lager. So that almost made the top five and gets a notable mention. So fifth place is Lucky Saint. I'm hoping there's a, the Fergus one in there or it's really bad. Well, we'll build up to that. Okay. Fifth um, place is what? Lucky Saint. So do you know what? I'll bring some. I'll bring the top five. I'm and maybe intrigued. We'll get I'm you... intrigued to taste them because I would have tasted some of them. Maybe. Go on. Fourth. Fourth is something quite new, actually. I only picked this up in Sainsbury's a couple of weeks ago. It's called Infinite Session. They do a few varieties. The Pills is the one that I've enjoyed most. Have they called that Infinite Session because you can drink it as much as you want during a session? I presume so. That's a clever name. Also, like graphically, I think that's quite a nice looking Oh, that's lovely. So I've been enjoying that. Third on my list is another IPA, Punk AF, which is a a Brewdog. I've had that. What I will say is Brewdog also make my least favourite non-alcoholic beer. Which one's that? Which is called Hazy AF. And I'd been drinking a few from a can. I did a big brew dog order recently. I mean, I got them out and made a small mountain in my front room of, <laughs> of the boxes. But I ordered a combination of Punk, Hazy and Nanny State are their three non-alcoholic beers. I drunk a few of the Hazies and then I made the mistake of pouring one into a glass. And it's the colour of a weakly diluted orange squash. So piss? It's, no, it, it's a really unappetising <laughs> look to it. I thought it was my daughter's... I thought she'd put, like, some some fizzy water in orange squash. It looked awful. So no good. And now I can't drink it at all. So I've got some spare if you want it. Um, no. Second, your friend Chris put me on to is Estrella's Freedam. So I had one of those the other day somewhere. It's quite good, isn't it? It's great. It's the best lager yeah. that I've come across. So, so where were... I was at my brother's. 
And he had one. Why he's doing that? But he occasionally will have another because he drives a lot. And he, he had, and he said it was good. And it was. It tasted very lagery. Yeah. Because Australia's a great. It's one of my favourite lagers, Australia's. So number one is Fergus will be pleased to know. Adnams Ghost Ship 0.5. I can see that. I would say if I, I mean, okay, I love Fergus. I loved him last time. But of all the ones I've had, Ghost Ship, to me, is the one that tastes the best. So if you're thinking of trying any of these, my caveat to Ghost Ship would be, when I was drinking, you know, I used to subscribe to a craft beer club. I, I was a Flavourly subscriber and I'd get a box of random beers and I'd really enjoy trying different beers but usually IPAs would be my favourite. Yeah. And this is an IPA and it has got a citrus overtone. But to me, it's the thing that most makes me think I'm opening my old box of craft beers. I think you could drink a ghost ship and feel like you're having a booze. It's almost a dual top five. I'd say if, if a lager is what you want, Freedom is the best I've found so far. If it is more of a craft beer, try a ghost ship. And can make I, sure it's the 0.5 because they also do a 4.5 and it comes in the same can. Can I just give a public health, you know, like they had those announcements at the start. Can I just do one now? <laughs> just ladies and gentlemen, so you know, there are beers with alcohol in them available and you should try those as well. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>